All right, right off the bat, I'm going to ask you a question and I want you to respond. I want some engagement right off the bat. If you could have any superpower, what would it be? Flying, yes. Invisibility. Whenever someone says that, I'm a little creeped out. Why do you want to be invisible? Right? A little strange. Another, give me a couple more. Going back in time. All right. That means there's some things you want to undo, I'm sure. All right. And then someone said, mind reading again. A little creepy. You know? Why, why do you want to know? Uh, I, I looked up some of the top superpowers that people would want. And on the top of the list, as there was this great survey done, on the top of the list was teleportation. And I'm like, for me, it's flying. Like, if I could fly, why would I want to teleport? I don't just want to appear somewhere. I want to be up there next to a jet and be like, what's up, guys? And just going for it. Uh, so... I love the idea of flying, and you know, as kids, we all aspired to be some type of superhero, um, and flying, for me, was everything. I thought Batman was the best superhero, and you're like, he has no powers. Exactly. That's why he's the best superhero. Um, and, and I'm just fascinated with this idea of flight. Uh, last Saturday, I got a call from a family, and they said, are you free at 4 p.m.? And I said, why? And they said, we're, we're going to iFly. And I was like... If you don't know what iFly is, you get into a tube filled with a bunch of wind and air. It is like the breath of God just breathing on you. And you're floating all throughout the entire time. And I want you to look at the little kid face that I have as I'm in this flight right now. Look at, look at me. I mean, it was, it was unbelievable. This, I've dreamed of this day my entire life. I finally get to fly. Right, this, I'm, I'm functioning in this moment of, as a kid, I just wanted to fly. And I am flying, and I couldn't help. As we were watching it, I told um, the family I went with, Adam and Nora, I said, I can't hear anyone, because we were on the outside watching people fly. I said, I can't hear them. I said, if I go, I'm going to be screaming. I promise you. And then I go in, it's actually like noise-proof, and it's silent in there. So as you scream, it doesn't go anywhere. So I still kept screaming the entire time. This face is of joy and terrify. Like, that's exactly what you see. Uh, but I'm, I'm lifted by this air, and I feel free, and, and I feel safe. And then the person next to me is the instructor. Um, he was part of the Air Force, and I let him know I'm a civilian. You jump out of planes and things and, and air helicopters. He's like, yeah, I've done about 20,000 jumps. And I was like, oh, you jump out of planes, I jump into Scripture. So we're kind of two different people. Be gentle with me. As we're there, you have headphone or um, noise canceling, you know, earbuds in and stuff. And he starts shouting, are you ready? And I was like, I'm already doing it. And then there's something called high flying. Now, this is not what I was told about. So they start, he lifts up. This is what's happening right here. He's flying too. And notice, it's a little less smiley in my face right now, right? <laughs> I'm floating up like higher than I ever could have imagined. And I'm flying and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is great. And once we get closer to the ground, I'm like, this is even better. This is, the, oh my goodness. But this is better right here. I loved it. There's something about us that wants to have this some type of superpower. And in fact, as we're kids, why we want to aspire to be some type of superhero is many researchers have studied it and they found out that we at times can view life as, bull, as dull and boring. And they said, but you look at the life of a superhero and it's adventurous, exciting, and powerful. And that is the exact life that God wants for us. You see, just as ridiculous as I look, floating, the word for spirit in scripture is ruach in the Hebrew and pneuma in the Greek. It literally means wind, breath, or spirit. 
So all of that wind that is allowing me to stay afloat, to let me feel free, to let me feel safe, to let me feel lifted above anything that I could ever do by myself, is what God wants for you and I. But many of us, we've, we've been a little startled or possibly confused or frustrated or scared of the Holy Spirit. This face, as ridiculous as it looks, is what I believe God wants our face to look like when we speak and we learn and we experience the Holy Spirit. In fact, Jesus would say, um, the words I speak are spirit and the words I speak are life. How many of us would like life today? As we've been in the series, Unlocked, we've been looking at how God wants us to unlock some of the areas of our lives so we can be fully unlocked and free to do what God is asking of us. If God is breathing, God is speaking, the wind is there, are we going to surrender to it and see what he does for us? And this is what we've been looking at the series, how we have this huge, amazing power. In fact, this is what Jesus says on his kind of farewell tour after the crucifixion and the resurrection. He walks around for 40 days and he, he just preaches. He's talking with people and sharing with people. And as he's about to go into heaven, he shares this. You will receive power. That word is dunamis. That word means explosive power. It's where we get our word dynamite. You have explosive power when the Holy Spirit, the pneuma, the breath, the wind, the Spirit of God comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. That word witness is martis, exactly where we get our word from, martyr. You will be the one who sees something, who says something, no matter what the cost. In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. This, is our, this power is our sensitivity to know what God is doing our ability to go where God is leading. And speaking of superheroes, I believe Uncle Ben said it greatest in Spider-Man, with great power comes great responsibility. You have a responsibility to be obedient to what God wants us to do and bring the character of Christ everywhere that we go. And this is what God wants for us. And as we look at his scriptures, we're going to be able to see what this looks like. So if I'm going to be obedient, if I'm going to have the sensitivity and the ability and the responsibility well, how am I supposed to go and witness? See, I may have the power, but what am I supposed to do with this power? And how am I just supposed to witness? I don't have all of the schooling, and I'm not sure what to do. I've said this before. When it comes to witnessing, if you were to see an accident happen, and the police showed up and said, okay, you are a witness, if you had to testify and share what you saw, you did not need to be a mechanic. You did not need to be someone who studied red lights, yellow lights, and green lights. You don't have to work for Caltrans. You can just be Marcus and witness. This is what I saw. All of us have a witness. We're here today because God has either done something in your life or he's done something in someone's life to bring you to this place where you want to ask, is any of it true? I can tell you I'm here because it is. God has transformed my life. And in the midst of this power, he gives us tools of the trade to build his kingdom he gives us power tools. Ah, you see what I did there? Okay, we're going to be in the Bible today. Uh, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, if you have your Bibles. Uh, power tools. That one, I was so excited to share that one today. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, if you, if you open up your Bible about halfway, or you can use your Bible app, open your Bible halfway, you'll get to Psalms and Proverbs. Keep going to the right, and you'll see some of the like, latter prophets. You'll see Hosea, then you'll see Malachi. Then you're going to be in Matthew, once you get to the New Testament, first book. Then we have four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Then we go to Acts, Romans, and then 1 Corinthians. So this is where we're at. 
uh, 1 Corinthians. And 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is a really, really cool chapter, really cool moment. It's actually a letter written to a church in Corinth by Paul. Paul writes this letter to a church in Corinth who's going through some wild things. Um, it's really personality, personality driven. So some are like, I'm a follower of, of Paul. I'm a follower of Apollos. And there's also some dysfunction inside of it. You know why there's dysfunction in the church at times? Because people are here. And so Paul says, I want to write a letter to you. And what I love about 1 Corinthians is Paul, in the, first, in the first letter to the 1 Corinthians, he says this. He says, um, and the previous letter that I sent to you. So all of us who are nerds, I'll raise my hand. I we're like, okay, where's the other letter? And I like to think of it this way. That Paul wrote a previous letter to them, and it was a little harsh. And God was like, we're not putting that in the book, man. We're not putting that. You know, I got some other stuff to help you out. So this is where we jump in. And he's responding to some of the things that they had been asking. Uh, he's responding to some of the questions they had and some of the frustrations they had in the letter that they wrote to him. And so this is where we're at in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, starting in verse 1. He says, now about the gifts of the Spirit. Your, your translation may say about spiritual things. I love that. Let's talk about spiritual things. You've been asking about spiritual things. Paul says, let me tell you, brothers and sisters, I don't want you to be uninformed. That word is agnoeo. Agnoeo in the Greek. Say agnoeo. Agnoeo, look, scholars. Um, Agnoeo means uninformed, uh, means not educated about. This is exactly where we get our word agnostic. So when you hear someone say, oh, I'm actually agnostic, what they're saying is, I, I just don't know. And they're waiting for you to tell them. So you shouldn't back up from it. They're saying, I, I haven't been told yet. Oh, that's why you're here, church. You know when you were pagans, he's talking about Gentiles, somehow or another, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. You're influenced by something. And if whatever you're worshiping or focusing on leads you astray, apart from God's word, then whatever you are worshiping is not God himself. And there's only one person, one thing worthy of worship. God. Verse 3. Therefore, I want you to know that no one is speaking by the Spirit. No one who's speaking by the Spirit says, Jesus, be cursed. He's essentially saying, if the Spirit is in you, you would not speak contrary to God's word. And he says, and no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. Your very declaration and your submission to God is because the Spirit is involved in salvation. And this is why it breaks my heart when we're a little fearful about the Holy Spirit. Um, the Spirit is involved in salvation. It's involved in baptism, as we see in Jesus' baptism, when the Spirit descended like a dove. Not a dove descended, the Spirit descended like a dove. So the Spirit's involved in baptism. In fact, John the, uh, John the Baptist would actually say, Jesus is coming, he's going to baptize you. I baptize in water, but he is going to baptize you in spirit and fire. That's when we get to the Spirit being involved in spiritual baptism. The Spirit's involved in all of it. But many of us have settled for two-thirds of God. We, we need the Spirit to be here. Verse 4. This is, these are the power tools for us. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working or activities and ministries, but in all of them and in everyone is the same God at work. Now to each one. In today's translation, that would be now to all y'all. This is all of us. You are in each one, I am in each one, all y'all, all of us, all of us. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Now, how many of us hear the word manifestation in church and you're like, yeah, I know what that means. What does it mean? It's like manifestation. Um, 
Manifestation is the visible representation and appearance of God at work. So you've been given a manifestation of the Spirit. Think about about that in your witness. The reason you have a job is not because God wants to provide for you and your households through your job. It's he wants you to provide good news, the gospel, to people that are there. He says, you are given a manifestation, the visible work and character of God. You need to witness to that. And he starts going through these gifts, starting in verse 8. To one there is given a spirit of, uh, of a message of wisdom, another a message of knowledge by means of the same spirit. To another faith by the same spirit, to another gifts of healing by the, by the one spirit, to another miraculous powers. Do you know what word that is? Dunamis. Dunamis. Explosive, miraculous powers. To another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits. Um, when we see this word distinguishing between spirits, um, it says distinguishing between spirits. Let us not change it to simply discernment. Right? Discernment is one thing. Distinguishing between spirits is a supernatural ability to be able to be aware of an evil presence. I want to be able to have distinguishing between spirits. To another speaking in different tongues. We'll talk about that in a bit. To still another interpretations of tongues. In verse 11. All of these work of one and the same spirit and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. Remember, all of us are in each one. It's all y'all. Therefore, we all have been given a gift. The most generous gift giver ever, God himself says, I will never stop giving of myself to you. We're alive today because he gave us breath in our lungs. You got here today whether you walked because you got shoes on your feet or or you drove because you have a car to drive in and you are living in a house, living in a place, living in an apartment, living in a studio, whatever it may be because God is so generous that he says, I want to take care of my kids. The fact that you have a family, the fact that we're sitting in chairs in church and able to talk about Jesus and say Jesus as many times as we want and talk about the spirit and talk about God and we don't have to worry about that type of persecution that is the gift of God because if you travel all over the world you will see what is happening to the church the most generous gift giver who gives us joy and peace and love and praise God his mercy has also given us eternal life and if he did nothing else other than give us an opportunity to have salvation to be saved from and saved for the goodness of God like he would have to do nothing else to still be a generous God. But he said, it gets better. So I'm going to give you gifts. And I'll give you these gifts because God is amazing as he is and generous. He says, I'm going to give of myself so that you have myself to give to others. So when God gives us what he gives us, these gifts of the spirit, he says, now you have the manifestation, the visible vocal work of God. And you get to bring it into any area that you walk in. That is the spirit. That is the wind. That is the breath. That is the thing that allows us to move. That that is the beauty. It's the person, the Holy Spirit, who is able to carry us. And this is why Paul, he kind of sandwiches these ideas. He says, there's got to be different gifts. But all of them work of one of the same spirit. He distributes them to each one. That's how he closes that chunk. As he determines. When we're talking about gifts, a few things we have to know. Gifts are different than talents. Um, Talents are things that are received 
can be received by anyone. Like, you can just be talented at basketball or baseball or taking pictures. Or, and those are talents. Um, gifts are received by believers. Uh, talents are the result of, of a generous God who gives us a great talent. You may be able to speak well and communicate. You may be able to lead. Um, you may even have just this ability to really serve people. But then on the flip side, there's these gifts. With those same things, you will lead powerfully. You will speak powerfully because the spirit is in you. The pneuma, the ruach. You have this ability. The, the power tools. I know it was a joke. Now this time I'm serious. Right? You can use the wrench. But oh man, you get a pneumatic. It's a whole lot easier to work on a car with then. The same thing when it comes to our giftings. God says, Marcus, you're great at turning a wrench. But let me give you some <laughs> That's what it is. As simple as we can get. Talents are something that you may be born with. Gifts are something that happens when you're born again. So we're talking about spiritual gifts. And all throughout this, the Bible, we see different spiritual gifts. Um, if you're taking notes, I want to share with you where these gifts can be found. Um, they can be found in, uh, I call it 4, 4, 12, 12. Ephesians 4, 1 Peter 4. Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12. I'll say it again. Ephesians 4, 1 Peter 4, Romans 12, and 1 Corinthians 12. We're looking at 1 Corinthians 12, and, and this, these are where we see, uh, we've kind of broken them down into three different areas. Um, as theologians, you kind of look at Scripture and try to allow it to be something that we can, we can chew on. We have these discerning gifts, declarative gifts, and dynamic gifts. And so we're just going to look at a couple of them. We don't have time to go through every single one in, um, in great detail. But this word of knowledge, this idea of word of, a no, word of knowledge is to know something without being told and learned by natural means. Um, I want you to think of this when Jesus went to the woman at the well and he said, uh, where's your husband? And she said, I don't have a husband. He said, this is Jesus, knowledge. You're right, you don't have a husband. You've had five and the man that you're with right now is not your husband either. That's a word of knowledge. And then there's the word of wisdom. This is the ability to give an answer, a response, or to solve a difficult issue in a circumstance. Right? Maybe, maybe you have that gift of wisdom. You've been at work and you're talking with work and you're like, I love Jesus. And, and things are going on at work that's really difficult. And you've just been like, why is everyone so, making this so much bigger than it is? Just move that over there and switch the filing. Go alphabetically. It just makes more sense than the reverse alphabetical. That could be a gift of wisdom. Right, but we, we can dismiss it at times. And then, as I said, there's this discerning of spirits. This is our ability to be aware of an evil presence. Right, this is very important. Um, I, I remember when I was church planting in Madeira, we had this uh, awesome property that was a, another church that was uh, going under. And so we said, well, we want to plant. And instead of doing it in a park, what about this building? And they're like, well, yeah, you know, let's go ahead. And so it's amazing God's story. I don't have time to get into that. Um, but we get there and we start putting things inside and kind of like doing some work. And there was just something in me that felt something was off. And so I started doing prayer walks around the church, just like I do here. And I would feel something every time I got to this one spot. And how the church was set up, there was this huge long driveway, but next to the driveway was this house. And I noticed on my prayer walks, it seems like God was really getting me to kind of hone in. And so I asked the previous pastor that was there, I said, do you know the owner of this house? They said, no, we've, we actually never talked with him. But we know like during service, he likes to make a lot of noise. And I was like, okay, all right, cool. 
So I just kept praying and praying and praying, but I felt something heavy. I went and one day knocked on his door because we were about to have services the next day. I had a sign up at the church that said, if you're looking for a sign from God, here it is. Join us 10 a.m. I've always been cheesy, folks. I've always been cheesy. Knocked on the door. Um, Took a little while. Someone came to the door. And I said, hi, how you doing? I'm I'm your neighbor next door. We're at the church. And he said, this is the first time that any of you have come and knocked on this door. I'll let you know that I'm a witch doctor and I will never move. There was something discerning in the spirit. Well, I said, I know a really big God. We'll see who wins. No, I didn't say that. But I, (laughs) I just thought, I know a really big God. So I walked away and I prayed. Lord, let him be saved or begin to move because I don't want there to be something that's stopping people from receiving you. And about two years later, he moved. Didn't give us any response, nothing. All the noises during church, it happened. I mean, he would have a saw, not cutting anything, just making noise. He would bring a saw through the parking lot, just spinning it. And I'm like, Lord, you're going to have to do something, because that's scary. There's a discerning of spirits. I've walked into stores, and maybe this is you, and I'm sharing these illustrations because I want you to begin to think, maybe I have that. Maybe there's something in me. There's certain stores that I've walked into, and I'm not going to name them, certain stores I've walked into, and you can immediately feel a heaviness. And you can ask my wife, and she's watching right now, and you're beautiful, and I'm seeing you on Tuesday. Let's go! She's coming for Thanksgiving. Let's go. Um, I'll walk into a store, and I'll just stop. And Nikki goes, Nikki goes, you feeling something? Yeah, I don't, I don't know what it is. And so we just walk away. If you have this gift of discerning of spirits, God places it within you by his spirit so that you're able to discern the spirits. This is important. This is even in the middle of someone speaking from the Bible. You can be like, "Mm, I don't know what you're reading. That's not what I have. Discerning of spirits. Uh, These are the discerning gifts. Then we also have the declarative gifts. Prophecy, tongues, and interpretation of tongues. Uh, Prophecy is the ability to speak on behalf of God, a voice of God that has been spoken to you. Nothing more, nothing less. Speaking the truth of God. And as you look all throughout scripture, um, prophets, they are given this gift to speak a message of encouragement from God through a person. And I don't want to say that very clearly because as you look at scripture... And you're like, well, there's prophets who warned people. That's encouraging to be warned before you fall. There's peace of encouragement when it comes to prophecy. Edification, exhortation, and comfort. That's the office of the prophet. If you experience and hear anything else, I have questions. In fact, there's one in this room who's saying yes. (laughs) Because she knows. That's the office of the prophet. And then we go into tongues. And this is someone speaking something in an unknown language to them about the things of God. And if you grew up in a church like me and you're like, uh-oh, here we go. Paul goes on and he says, everything should be done in an orderly manner. Praise the Lord, church. Praise God. I remember walking into church and I would just hear stuff and I was like, what? This English-speaking church, is that where we're at today? Because I don't know what's going on. You would just hear all of these things, and I was like, I have no clue. And this is why it needs to be coupled with the interpretation of tongues if you're doing it in an event like this. If someone just were to stand up and start, start speaking in tongues, we'd all be like, uh, what's going on? But then if someone is able to interpret, this is intent of the word, not word for word of the word. There's a very different, there's a great difference between intent of something 
and the word-for-word -word translation of something. So it happens when someone uh, may speak in tongues, there's an interpretation that says, this is what God is saying to us. And so these, these are just a few of the, of the declarative gifts. And then we get into the dynamic gifts of faith, healing, and miracles. When you look at this list, one question, how many of us would love to have that in our lives today? How many of us want some more faith? I mean a powerful faith that, that allows you to see just this supernatural impartation of faith for a particular circumstance. The gift of faith, I want that. Healing in your body? And we see these gifts and we're like, I don't know if we should be talking about healing and all that stuff. Wait until you're sick. You want someone to walk up, hey, you're healed. Oh, really? Okay, cool. <laughs> no cough anymore. Sweet. You'd be all about it. Even get more serious. Wait until your family is sick or your kids are sick. You're praying that there's someone who has who's been submitted themselves to the Spirit of God to move in a way that brings healing. Right? And miracles. This is a miraculous, supernatural, divine intervention for a particular instance. How many of us would love to have a miracle in the life? For those of you that said yes to Jesus, you have a miracle in your life. You're here. And again, as I said, 1 Peter 4, speaking of all of these gifts and many more, there's a 20 plus that we see in Scripture. And we, we can definitely see that it is not an exhaustive list of every single one. These are the only ones. It is just sharing some of them that we see. First Peter says, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Not to get on a greater platform, not to make yourself great, but to make his name great. That's all it's about. And if you're looking at the gifts and you've thought of other gifts, administration, leadership, um, gifts of service, hospitality, mercy, you're like, I just want to have that gift. I want to have this gift. So I'm just going to try and I'm just going to do it. Could you imagine if we all had the same gift? Could you imagine if everyone was a teacher? Do you know how crazy this would sound right now? I'd start saying something. I have something to say. I have something to say. And I would like to say. That would be wild. Imagine if everyone just had the gift of service only. I was like, how can I serve you? No, I don't want to ask. How can I serve you? I'll serve you. No, you serve me. No, don't do that because I'll serve you. And we would just be lost. The greatest way to spiritual frustration is to function in a way that God did not wire you for. So when we want to desire these gifts, as Paul would tell us, we need to know there's a purpose of the gift, that we use them well, and that we use them for the common good, as Paul said, to honor and to glorify God above all else. Build his church, build his people, edification, of course, but to honor and glorify God. If there is a gift that is functioning in a way that doesn't honor and glorify God, it's not a gift. It's that simple. So again, when it comes to the spiritual things of God, as Paul said, he said, about these spiritual things, we should be excited, we should be embracing them and desiring them because they're good. Gifts of healing and mercy and miracles, administration, praise the Lord for people that have the gift of administration. These are necessary and they're used for the common good to build God's church, to build his kingdom and to honor and to glorify him only. So why Paul would say to each one is given a gift for the common good. And we have to know that these are tools, not toys to play with. Tools to use to build God's kingdom, not toys just to mess around um, to go around and to maybe build your platform or build whatever it may be. God says, if you're not building my church, you're building something else. And God always wins. So when it comes to our gifts for the common good, we're unified in our purpose and our calling. And we're unique in our gifting. And we need all of that. And there's no, there's no one on earth that has a spiritual monopoly of gifts. They're like, they just have all of them. Uh, and I don't have any. No. It's not how it works. That God has given each of us a gift. 
For us to say that I have not been given a gift, if we're believers, is to say that God must be lying. And when I read his word, he doesn't lie. You're necessary in these giftings because there is a world in need. And God, in his great wisdom, saw you and said he wanted to give you something that the world needs around us. But how do we function in these gifts and function well in these gifts? It's in love. You see, a, a quick kind of survey of how scripture was written. People would people write, it was written, it was inspired by the Spirit. And I like to say that they were authors um, because they were given by the Spirit, right? To what to write. But the true author is God himself. So they wrote, God spoke. And later on, after the Bible was written, we went in and kind of added chapters. I think it kind of missed, helped us miss the point at times. Paul is talking about gifts. And right after 1 Corinthians 12 comes 1 Corinthians 13. That wasn't a quiz, just 12, 13. That's how it goes. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 1 Corinthians 13. 1 Corinthians 13 is what we call the love chapter. You read it at weddings. Love is patient. Love is kind. It's generous. It doesn't hold record of wrongs. You know he's talking about that? In reference to spiritual gifts. If you're using your gifts in a way that is not loving others, that's, that's, not, a, that's not the proper way to use a gift. When you're using your gift, you should be patient and kind and not envying and not boasting. You shouldn't be proud. What you should be is living in love in a way that is building other people up every single time. If you are speaking on behalf of God, build people up. If you are healing on behalf of God, build people up. If you're speaking in tongues on behalf of God, build people up. That is what it is for. And when we do not live in love, the church suffers and the world suffers. And when the world suffers, they come to the church and say, why can't you help us? And we say, because we're broken on the inside. We have to live in love. Paul goes on to talk about this because maybe you're feeling it now. There's, he, he's like, I know I said a lot, but I'll just sum it up really quickly. He goes on in, in 1 Corinthians where we're going to continue reading. Starting in verse 12. He talks about this unity in diversity. And, and this is important because at times we can get to a place where we feel defeated. And we can say, the church, the body of Christ doesn't need me. Or, or you can be conceited and say, I don't need you. And Paul is saying that's, that's the wrong way to think about the things of God, the spiritual things. This is what he says. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all of its parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we are all baptized by one spirit. Did you see it? Baptized by one spirit. Baptizo. Um, that word literally means what happens when you have a cloth. This is how they would dye their colors. They'd have a cloth and they would have a bowl filled with the dye. And when you would baptize to immerse something, the cloth that you pulled out was a completely different color. You've been baptized in the spirit. Everything has changed. So as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slaves or free, and we're all given one spirit to drink. You're like, to drink what? It's just the outpouring of God. Just the outpouring of God. It goes on. Even so, the body is made up not of one part, but of many. And I believe this is so important because if we're all the body of Christ, um, have you ever like sat a weird way or something or like been writing for a long time in your, in your hand or your foot falls asleep? You ever had that? If we're the body of Christ and some of us are sleeping, it causes the church to walk with a limp. And God said, no, that's not how I want the church to function. I want us all to be awake so we can be going in the direction that God is leading us. So if you've been sleeping on your gifts, I believe this is a time when God is calling on his church to begin to function 
orderly to bring the goodness of God to the world. Verse 15, now if the foot should say, because I'm a hand, I do not, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body. It would not be for that reason to stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body. It would not be for that, it, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? Could you imagine how weird that would look? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? For those of you that know, I hit my head um, over a decade ago, and I lost my sense of smell, and I have some of it now, but if you can't smell things, it is weird. People are like, you don't smell that? Imagine not being able to smell gas in your house when gas is leaking. It's dangerous. We need all of us. But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they're all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. We've all been given a gift. We've all been given a gift for the common good. And we've all been given a gift for the common good that keeps us going in the same direction. If your body is divided, you can't move. You're not moving straight. You're going this direction and that direction. And what happens in our action to walk in the Spirit, to be with the Spirit, as Paul would say in Galatians, which we'll talk more about that character next week. If we're going to be in the Spirit, we all need to be moving in the same direction. This is all about action and submission. What does that look like? If, if I want to be a Christ follower that changes the world around me, starting up my, my home, in my neighborhood, in my workplace, in San Diego, in California, in the nation, in the rest of the world, if I want to be someone like that, what does it look like? It looks like us going in the same direction. Action. God, I'm, I'm ready to go. We talked about this a few weeks ago. What part of go don't we understand at times? It means go. God, I'm ready to go. And are we ready to submit? God, wherever you're leading. Just like when I was in the iFly. If the instructor next to me was the Spirit, as the wind is moving, and I just let the Spirit take me wherever I need to go. William Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army, he was asked, what's his secret to success? Nearly on his deathbed, he began to weep. And he says, the secret to the success of my own success and of the Salvation Army and what we've been able to do is that my God has all of me. The adoration of my heart, the power of my will, and everything, my whole life. I believe the greatest way for us to experience that is say, God, you have all of me. God, I don't want there to be division in me or in the body. God, I want to have equal concern for the people around me. As Paul would go on. He would say, if one suffers, every part suffers. If one is honored, every part rejoices. You are the body of Christ. You and I. And each one of you is part of it. A.W. Tozer said, God is seeking people through whom he can do the impossible. What a pity it is that we've settled to do things that we can do ourselves. God wants to do the impossible. And he asked you and me. So how do we get these gifts? What does this even look like? Um, I have this quick acronym just to help us. Um, ACT. A-C-T. Number one, assess your gifts. And you're like, okay, gift assessment right off the bat. No. First, pray. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that part. God, what gifts have you given me that I'm not using yet? God, what gifts have you given me that I can, I can begin to use to become even better at? See, when I went to, when, when I went to iFly, after you fly, they give you a certificate. A certificate of flight. And they say, if you keep coming back and get more used to it, 
you can become an expert. And you could work here. And I'm like, that's a great pyramid scheme. Great idea. <laughs> but that's how it is with our gifts too. Just try it. And God's like, yeah, that's your gift. And you might get it wrong. Um, I can't tell you, being, being able to have the gift of teaching and, and loving it, I can't tell you how many times I've gotten something wrong when I first started. And it's been like, oh, got it, got it, got it. And God wasn't mad. He said, are you willing to submit to help me lead you? So we pray. Then we study. We read God's word. Right? Remember, and these are the verses. If you didn't take notes, because I know, maybe you're like, I don't want to take a note. Just throw it up on the screen so I can take a picture. Ephesians 4, 1 Peter 4, Romans 12, and 1 Corinthians 12. This is where we study. These are the passages we need to read and be able to know what God is speaking to us so that we can function properly the way God wants us to function. If you're living with these gifts and these abilities within you, God says, I want you to function at an optimum level. So know all we can about the gifts. And again, I'll say it again. Start with God's, well, start with prayer and go to God's word. If you just jump online and start to look at what anyone is saying, you could be led astray. Again, if whatever you are reading or worshiping is pulling you away from God, it's not God you're worshiping. So we assess our gifts. And we do have a gift assessment online at newbreak.church slash spiritual dash gifts. You can go ahead and scan the QR code. You can do the spiritual gifts assessment. I want to encourage you, if you want to do this, just be ready for whatever God is speaking. And can I tell you, don't take this test if you just served and had a terrible experience. (laughs) It'll be like, you know, do you like serving people? Nope. (laughs) Definitely not with Marcus. You know, like, don't do that. Do this on a day when you're ready to kind of see, okay, Lord, speak to me, right? And and this is an assessment, not a test. An assessment, not a test. Because testers pass or fail. This is an assessment. Where are we at? So we start with assessing the gifts. Then we go to the C. Converse with others. Talk to other people. What do they see in you? Because you may have prayed and studied, and then you have this amazing assessment, and you're like, look, my top gift is service. And they're like, um. Don't think you took the test right, buddy. Because you don't like helping. And you said you were going to help me move, and you got there. You did bring donuts. That was awesome. But you sat down and did nothing. I don't think gift of service is at the top of your list. Maybe stubbornness. No, that's not a gift. Um, Also, I learned for myself, uh, sass is not in the Bible. Might be a spiritual gift, though, because I have that for sure. Right? Sarcasm, it's in there. Um, No, it's not a spiritual gift. Um, So assess my gifts, converse with others. Lastly, just try it out. Start somewhere. Get in the game. See what happens. When I went in iFly and I was flying and I had that crazy face, I don't know why, but this is how my mind works. I'm always thinking about how I can explain what I'm experiencing and feeling to people. And I was immediately brought to one of my favorite movies called Chariots of Fire. If you've seen it, it follows two different runners. One of them is Eric Liddell. Eric Liddell was someone who was representing Scotland as he was running. And he was interviewed many times. And there were multiple times where he shared this response. He said, I believe God made me for a purpose. And he also made me fast. And when I run, I feel God's pleasure. When I walk in my giftings that the Spirit has given me, I feel God's pleasure. When you walk in the giftings the Spirit has given you, you will feel God's pleasure. It won't feel like work. It'll feel like worship. So I want us to pray that we just be open and ready 
And I want to do a practice. With your eyes open just for a, a second. Um, there's this moment, like this is receiving and this is laying down. And you've heard me say this before. Um, God, I let go and I receive. But we're going to start praying this way to let go. And then we're going to end praying this way to receive from God. So let's pray. Just palms down. Um, God, I just let go of anything that is in me that's causing me to think differently and wrongly about the Spirit in accordance to what the Scripture says. God, I let go of the previous experiences that caused me to be afraid and, and fearful of your Spirit. God, God I, right now I just let go of all of that. And I'm ready for what you have for us. And go ahead and turn your palms up. And God, at this moment, we receive what you have for us. Pour your spirit out. Do what you will. Let us be changed forever. God, you are so good. Thank you that you give us love and mercy and hope and kindness. And in the midst of it, you surround us with your presence and your spirit and give us these great gifts. Let us walk in them boldly. Let us assess our gifts, converse with others, and try them out so that we would build your church, build your kingdom. Give you all of the honor and all of the glory. In your name we pray. Amen. We serve a powerful God who gave us all amazing gifts.